delighted today to hear our children, and that's from Bible school. Uh, some of you might remember that uh, one of the motions to the Bible school songs that we had, uh, I can't remember which song it was. Where's Sharon? Where'd Sharon go? Huh, we, we, we were doing this, right? Remember that? We were doing that. Well, we happened to be at um, Sarah Lynn and Doc, our youngest child, youngest daughter, and her husband's house uh, over Labor Day weekend. And, of course, it was football, 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 and we'd been watching all that. And Sarah Lynn said, oh, i got to tell you what, uh, what, um, uh, what Evelyn Grace said the other day. Evelyn Grace was their youngest one, and she's uh, about two. And she had watched some of the ball games with her dad, and there was a false start. That's a penalty where somebody in the line started early, and the referee was signaling false start. And Evelyn Grace looked and said, look, Mama, he went to Bible school. <laughs> we would hope that he did at some point, right? Well, what a great day of worship already. In the midst of COVID stuff that's increasing and all that, yet you're here, you're worshiping, and uh, I thank God for you. Uh, we do pray about the situation with COVID, and we the staff talk about it. Uh, every week and uh, all through the week about did we do any other changes or any other things and uh, if things continue to uh, warrant our changing and making any decisions we'll be making those and letting you know but let's continue to worship God trusting him for his goodness and his grace and that uh, leads us into the re- into the message for today because it's uh, our second in the series of first John on assurance uh, and theme is no doubt six things that we can know for sure And just like all these other studies that have come out of Bible Studies for Life that we've looked at here, uh, introducing them since March of 2020 from the pulpit, and then you go to your life group and you have your discussion about those, they're also relevant because this one particularly hits us. Things that we can know for sure because we live in a world of uncertainty and instability. A 20th anniversary reminder of 9-11 tells us that, that, you know, you can remember where you were that moment when those towers were hit and how it changed our world forever. And so it is certainly a world of uncertainty and instability. That's why First John, this study, is so timely. Last Sunday we talked about the assurance of forgiveness. And they were going to look at John's writing to us about the assurance of our relationship with God. The assurance of our relationship with God. Well, we've already mentioned the start of college football, and I think NFL starts their Sunday games today. But um, over the Labor Day weekend, right before that, it started the college football season, uh, retired football coach Bobby Bowden, who coached at Florida State for about 34 years and won uh, several national championships, died after a brief battle with pancreatic cancer. And Bobby Bowden was a, was a wonderful man, a great coach, He was a strong believer in and follower of Jesus Christ. He was remembered on the last Sunday in a special tribute uh, during what I thought was the best ball game over the Labor Day weekend, which was last weekend, as Florida State battled Notre Dame. Florida State lost in overtime to Notre Dame as a field goal was wide left. And if you followed college football since somewhere in the mid-'80s or whatever, whenever Bobby Bowden took over at Florida State, you know that the kicking game uh, haunted him. So many field goals or tips ended up wide left or wide right and cost him several uh, championships. But through it all, Bobby Bowden kept his Christian composure and demeanor and his sense of humor. Dadgum was a favorite expression of his and probably the strongest language that he ever used. Dadgum. 
He was often a speaker at FCA banquets and in many, many churches. And one of the stories that he loved to tell was this story. He loved to tell a story about a high school football coach whose team was losing by six points and the opposing team had the ball and they were running out the clock. And lo and behold, somehow the fumbled and his team, his team recovered the fumble and they had the ball with just a short amount of time to go close to the goal line. And so the coach called a 36 sweep to the one side, but it was stopped. He called a 39 sweep to the other side and it was stopped. He called a quarterback keeper up the middle and he was stopped. And the coach was so frustrated and man, he took his clipboard, he threw it down and he turned around and he didn't even look at what happened next. He didn't call a play. And all of a sudden he heard the stands just erupt in applause and shouting and carrying on. And he turns around and he looks and saw that his team had scored. And he runs and won the ball game. He runs out on the field, he grabs the quarterback and he says, what play did you call? And the quarterback said, well, I really didn't know what play to call and you didn't tell us one. So he said, I looked up in the huddle and he said, I saw number 10, and he was standing beside number 13. So I added that, and I got 24, and I called 24 cross trap, and it worked. And the coach said, son, 10 and 13 doesn't add up to 24. It adds up to 23. And the quarterback said, gee, coach, if I was as smart as you were, we'd have lost the game. So, what do I have to do with this uncertainty and knowing that we can be sure of a relationship? You know, there's some things that we don't know that we don't know. But the challenge for us today, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, or those who are going to make that decision, the challenge is to know that you know that you know. That you know that you know that you know, you know? So today, you can know for sure, with the assurance of the Word of God, that you're in relationship with God. No more I think so, no more I hope so, but I know, I know, I know. I think last week I mentioned to you that in the letter of 1 John, the word know appears 42 times. There are about 100 verses in the letter of First John, and every fourth verse contains the word no. Now we're going to read our scripture out of First John 2, verses 3 through 11. You listen or count, for, count the uh, a no, number of times that you might hear or see in the scriptures the word no. First John chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. Listen for the assurance when you hear that word no. John writes and says, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. 
Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. I hope you found five times that the word no appears. Most of the translations I consulted had that five times. You might have found a different translation that you use that might be different. But it's interesting to know what you know. There's an old Arab proverb which says, there are four kinds of people, three of which are to be avoided and the fourth to be cultivated. So the first are those who don't know and they don't know. They're dangerous. They're those who know they don't know. And it's a sad state in which to be, but at least they're teachable. There are those who don't know that they don't know. They have knowledge, but they don't realize it, so they don't do anything at all. And finally, there are those who know that they know. They are the true help in a time of need. They're the ones who are to be cultivated. When we look at our scripture today, we find that John, the Apostle John, tells us three ways, at least three ways in these words, verses 3 through 11, that we can know, have assurance, be convinced of the fact that we're in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Now, if you hear these words and you hear all three of these and you say, no, I don't have that assurance, then you need to ask Christ to come into your life. But if you're a believer in Christ and a follower of Christ, then you need to hear these three things that should give you affirmation, confidence, and assurance in your relationship with Christ. So the first thing that John says is, we know we are in a relationship with Jesus when we listen to the Lord. When we listen to the Lord. If we know Jesus, we will keep his word. We'll keep his commands. That's what John says in verses 3 and 4. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. See, it's not what we claim to know that makes a difference in our life. But it's what we actually do that demonstrates our love relationship with Jesus. Last week I mentioned to you that there are three motives for obedience to God. I have to, I need to, or I want to. See, have to would be like maybe a slave back in that time. Had to be obedient or else there was severe punishment. Or you can say, I need to. That maybe could be, uh, that maybe could be an employee that says, I need this job. I need to be obedient to the workforce uh, mandates and all of that because I need this job. Or then you say, I want to. That's a true believer in Christ who obeys simply because of love. So let me ask you some questions today then. Where are you in that relationship with God? Do you obey him because you fear him? Are, are, are you obeying God because you want something from him? Or are you obeying God because you love him? You see, when we become true followers of God through faith in Jesus Christ, then God puts two things new into our heart. He puts a new desire into our heart, 
and he puts a new devotion into our heart. Uh, one of my followers, one felt person that I follow greatly is David Dykes, a, a pastor down in Texas. And according to his research, he says that there are 613 specific commandments in the Old Testament. And then he says there's the account of the New Testament that tells us there's 1,050 New Testament commands. 73 of them, he says, begins with the word be, like be thankful, be tenderhearted one to another, be patient. You know, that's just the beginning of a whole list of 73 of those, and then that's a total of 1,050. So let me ask you, how well are you doing maintaining those 613 Old Testament commands and 1,050 New Testament commands. You reckon you've broken any of those this week? I'll just go back and look at the Ten Commandments. You've broken any of those ten? It's easy to do because we're not perfect. We're still fallen people. We live in a fallen world. We don't live in a perfect world. We're going to sin. We're going to fall short of the glory of God. But you see, the desire that's in our heart that God has put there now should be that we don't want to sin. We show our love for God and the fact that we're in relationship with Him and the fact that we do not want to sin. That's our desire. And then there's that devotion in our life, a new devotion in our life of love for Jesus that gives us a devotion to Him and His commandments and to the kingdom like never before. There's one account in, in history about the Roman Emperor Domitian who was persecuting the Christians and he hated Christians so much he was always looking for new and creative ways to harm them. One day he was gathered with some of his uh, counselors and they were talking about one particular Christian pastor that they had arrested. And, and the Emperor Domitian said, I know what I'll do. I'll take away all his possessions. And his advisor said, that won't do any good because believers today in Christ have given up all their possessions. And they talk about their treasures in heaven. So then the emperor said, then I'll place him in solitary confinement. And his advisor says, that won't work either because they claim that they have a friend who sticks closer than a brother and somebody who's with them all the time. And he'll just use that time to pray. And so the emperor said, well, I'll kill him. And his advisor said, well, that won't frighten him at all because for a Christian, death is so much better. It's going home to heaven, and he's looking forward to that. And so by that point, Domitian was out of options, and he simply asked, well, what can I do to harm this Christian? And one of the wise advisors said, if you really want to harm him, make him sin. Make him sin. You see, if we're in a right relationship with God and we've got that new desire and we've got that new commitment and devotion to Him, then we really do not want to sin. And when we do sin, it hurts us. It digs at the very core of who we are. We aren't perfect, but we have a new desire for a holy life in Christ. You obey God. You live like the Lord because you're in relationship with him. The second way that we know that we're in relationship with Jesus is, John says, is because we live like the Lord. We live like the Lord. 
In verses 5 and 6, he says, If anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. See, this is the affirmation. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. So here we begin by the fact that we, we like and listen to the Lord and obey his commandments. And secondly, John says then, we live like the Lord. We walk as Jesus did. That means in this new desire and this new devotion of ours, because we're in relationship with a holy and righteous God, then we want to live like Jesus. We want to look more like Jesus. We want to show Jesus to the world around us. We become more Christ-like. We take on the characteristics of Jesus Christ. It's living with a conscious awareness of his presence wherever we go, whatever we're doing. If you've ever been to the Alamo in San Antonio, you might have noticed that uh, near the main entrance there's a, a, a portrait of a man and has the following inscription on it. It says, James Butler Bonham. No picture of him exists. This portrait is of his <coughs> nephew, Major James Bonham, deceased, who greatly resembled his uncle. It is placed here by the family that people may know the appearance of the man who died for freedom. We don't have any literal portrait of Jesus. We might have an image in our mind. But we don't have a portrait of Jesus either. But his likeness is to be seen in the life of every believer, yours and mine alike. His likeness should be seen in our life if we're living for him. Now, you can't imitate Jesus on your own strength. Instead, you have to trust him with your life, and you have to let him begin to change you from the outside in. We've had some grandchildren with us this weekend, and it just so happened that uh, we're celebrating birthday, and one gave him some Superman pajamas, and the other, his brother, pulled out that night, and he had Superman pajamas. It reminded me of a book by Rankin Wilburn entitled Union with Christ, and he challenges us in Christ to consider two superheroes. Now, I'm not all that much into superheroes, so for my younger folks here, I'll have to agree with this. But he calls us to look at Batman and Spider-Man. And he tells that Batman is a rich and strong man with lots of cool gadgets. And his superpowers stem from his external possessions. Spider-Man has a few accessories as well, but he's a superhero because of the spider powers he obtained when he was bitten by a radioactive spider. His nature has been changed. Now he has a new power accessible to him within him. I hope that's right about Batman and about Spider-Man. The guy's written a whole book about it, so I hope he's right. <laughs> but here's the analogy we make. You see, Christ in you makes you more like Spider-Man than Batman. Something alien to you, something from outside of you has entered you and changed you. And it's the Spirit of God, it's the power of God to transform your life. 
You've got a new power and a new way of living that you never had before. And that's how you know that you are in Jesus. That's how you're insured of your relationship with God. It's because you find yourself resembling him more and more. And you find yourself sinning less and less. And you exhibit the goodness of God more and more. And the third thing that John says is an indicator that we're in relationship with God is that we love like the Lord. In verse 7 and John says, dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. He said the, the command of love is basically at the heart of the Old Testament. It, it's at the core of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus himself said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. Remember Jesus saying that? Love the Lord with all that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the very core of our relationship. And we know that we're in Christ if we show that love. If we love like the Lord. You look at verse 8 and John says, Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and you. That's in Christ and us. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. You see, when Jesus came, the truth of God's love shone from him to us. And soon it began to overcome the darkness in our life. And Jesus brought to our life the light of God. And he brought the light of love, which can never be extinguished. And so John goes on to say then, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother <clears throat> is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. I think it's very clear to us that Jesus calls us to love as he loves. And isn't it interesting that John, the apostle of love in his gospel, he calls himself the one that Jesus loved, wrote about love and he writes about it here in 1 John. He's the one who recorded the words of Jesus in John 13, 34 through 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Pretty obvious, isn't it? When we love like Jesus then we know we're in a relationship with God. We're confident of that. And at the same time, we show the love of Jesus to those around us. Now you're sitting there thinking, you don't know who I have to love. You don't know my neighbors. You don't know my brother-in-law. You don't know my boss. You don't know my foreman. You don't know my teacher. And it can go on and on and on. Reminds me of the two, two lines poem that says, 
to live above with the saints we love. Oh, that will be glory. But to live below with folks we know, now that's another story. We know the reality of that, don't we? Don't we? Stories told about a father took his son with him on a business trip. First time a little boy had ever flown on a plane. And uh, there happened to be on a flight with several uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, doctors, counselors, all kinds of medical people who were coming from a conference on, on mental health, and they were on the way home. About halfway in that flight, a lady on that, on that flight just had a severe panic attack, and there was nothing in the world they could do to calm her down. And the plane actually had to make an emergency landing. The they, uh, flight attendants and all that uh, uh, helped her as much as they could. They had to make an emergency landing and get her off the plane and get her to some treatment, and then finally they got the, the plane airborne once again. And the little boy had taken all that in, and he looked up at his daddy, and he said, Daddy, he said, how come none of these doctors and psychiatrists and psychologists did anything to help that lady? And his dad said, Son, it takes courage to care. It takes courage to care. If you're going to love like Jesus, it takes courage. Because you're going to face rejection. You might face ridicule. You might get a great big put down. You might be told off. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, you're to live and love like he does. So how do you know that you know Jesus? You listen to the Lord. You obey his commands. You live like the Lord. You look like God as best you can. And you love like the Lord. You show his love, which is a forgiving, redeeming, transforming love. So you can't live out any of those things unless you are in relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. But when you are, then you can say, I know, I know, I know. What a great assurance that is. No more I hope so, no more maybe, but yes, I know, I know, I know. I trust you know that you're in relationship with God today. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus Christ to us in making that ultimate sacrifice of love for us so that we could experience salvation. Father, I pray that those of us who live in faith in you will have that assurance as we study this passage today and that we will walk with confidence in a world of uncertainty knowing that we are saved and we're safe and we're secure in a relationship with you. Father, help us to live out our faith in obedience because we love you out of a new desire and a new demand upon our life, a new devotion upon our life. Father, help us to be obedient. Help us to, to look like you in all that we do and help us to love like you in all that we do. We pray this, Father, in the name of Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And we call for decisions for his glory through the movement of the Holy Spirit. Amen.